God in prayer. Dear gracious God, we come right now in the name of Jesus to give thee praise and thanks for so many blessings seen and unseen. Oh, you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. Father, I am assured that if we had 10,000 tons of peace, it wouldn't be enough to glorify thee. It wouldn't be enough to testify of thy goodness. For you are just that good. You are just that great. You are just that special. Lord God, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would let me down into thy storehouse. That I may bless thy people with thy word. That I may glorify thee, Lord, in thought, word, and deed right now, Lord. Lord, I thank you right now for being everything. It's in thy most precious name I pray and give thanks. Amen. Good morning, Profile. Good to see you today. For this is truly the day that the Lord has made. And I'm already rejoicing and glad because he has allowed me to not only see you, but to see this day. I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this opportunity. I'd like to thank my pastor for being mindful and thoughtful of me to share his pulpit, to trust me. Thank my wife for being my wife, for being my friend, for being my partner, my teammates, as we begin to celebrate 10 years on the 7th. I can truly say that I have found a good thing. But it wasn't me that did it, it was Jesus. You're talking about some joy, man. He has truly blessed me, and I am grateful. For those of you that have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you return to first chapter of Peter. We're going to go over verses 13 through 16. And then we will also jump to Titus chapter 2, 
verses 1 through 8. I want to give those out to you so that you may look at those once the service is over and later on in the week. For today, I want you to know we will deal with Christian holiness. It is something that is so important and that what I believe that we have lost sight of. With being pro-life and everybody having opinions and everything, we forgot one thing, how to be holy. It's detrimental for our society today that the Christian people be holy. Being holy does not mean that we are to enforce our opinions on others. For you know you can't make nobody do nothing. All you can do is out of love tell them what is right. I believe that somebody ought to love me enough to tell me when I'm wrong and not co-sign with me. I think that's where the problem has come in at because we're afraid to tell people the truth because we're afraid of losing their friendship. We're afraid of losing relationship, even when it comes to loved ones. So we've forgotten what it means to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. Everybody wants to be like, but not like Jesus. I don't often see people saying WWJD no more. What would Jesus do? It, it, it seems it has went out the window has gone. No, 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 nobody wants to know what Jesus would do or nobody wants to look into that. And this is an issue that we're dealing with today. But I want to do my best to bring us back in and to bring that to the forefront because we who are Christians are supposed to live a Christian life, which is a holy life. Actions always speak louder than words. How are you living? How are you living? Well, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, you will find these words as Peter gives and holiness, he let you know holiness is commanded. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which have called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is a command from God that his children, his people be holy for he is holy. Let me go ahead and hit Titus so that we may proceed on in our message. Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 and it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine." That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. 
not false accuser, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, creativity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Well, as I was dealing with Christian holiness being our topic, I came across this. Many people, especially Christians, like watching the Home Shopping Network channel, which is a cable show where they sell you all kind of stuff for every occasion. One particular night being this weekend, Friday, while flipping through the cable channels, I came across a segment on jury. It was called Diamond Meek. And it sold for three-fourths less than the real thing. This Diamond Meek gemstone is supposed to be the closest thing to a real diamond in color, cut, clarity, carrot. And that only a trained professional diamond expert can distinguish the difference. The difference, of course, is what's on the inside, or should I say what is really lacking. I come to understand that natural diamonds are formed in high-pressured, high-tempered conditions ranging from 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit to 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit and existing at depths of 87 miles to 120 miles in the Earth's mantle. According to science, it takes the Earth about a billion to 3.3 billion years to make a diamond. Diamonds are being brought close to the Earth's surface through volcanic eruptions by magma. However, today's diamonds can be produced synthetically in high-pressured and high-tempered conditions by man, and you don't have to wait millions of years to get one. Well, where are you going, Reverend? One of the things I want to pinpoint today, I don't want you to be fooled by imitation. The first thing we want to deal with is don't be fooled by the imitation. Because image is everything and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Many wives, Mothers, fathers, co-workers, and friends have been fooled by the man-made counterfeit diamond, the diamond ink. But true diamonds are naturally made by God. Has God made you? Understand, we're living in a world where people want something that God hadn't put his hands on. People want a lifestyle that's not made by God. People are in search of things that have, that is different from God.
Many people of today have been convinced or persuaded to settle for what's looked like a diamond, feels like a diamond, has the color, cut, carrot, and clarity of a real diamond, but isn't a real diamond, but a knockoff. It's bad when you're supposed to be holy, but you're only actually a knockoff in being holy because your life don't reflect what holiness is all about. Likewise, in today's society, many young people, young and old, have been convinced by Satan into settling for a quality of life that looks colorful, that is cut just right, that's transparent, a life that carries a lot of value. But under the eye of the almighty expert jewel, Jesus Christ, something is lacking, like the rich man trying to go through the eye of the needle. One thing that I lack. What do you need to give up? What do you need to sell in order to follow Jesus? This is what the problem deals with today as I see as everything is going on from pro-life, abortion, whatever is going on, I see nobody coming to the center to where Jesus is. Everybody wants to sit on the outside. Everybody has an opinion, but what I've come to realize, the only one that matters is what Jesus says. But there lies the problem. Nobody now cares about what Jesus has to say about the matter. Nobody wants to bring that up. Everybody wants to take a side where we all supposed to meet in the middle because Jesus is in the middle of everything, but we refuse to come to the middle so that we can stay on the outside. But the help is on the inside. Too many people, including Christians, have settled for a high-quality cubic zirconia life rather than a life adorned with the virtuous qualities of a meek and quiet spirit, which is priceless in the sight of God. This is one of the things that I'm looking at. This is the one of the things that I see that we are dealing with in society, and we shouldn't even be facing this because we who are Christians are supposed to behave as Christians. But when I look at it on TV, our politicians behave like politicians. Lawyers behave like lawyers. Doctors behave like doctors. Where do the Christians come in at? Everyone seems to be talking for us but us. So the first point that I wanted to make was don't be fooled by the imitation. Because the devil is always trying to imitate God as well as his people. His seed is always trying to imitate God people. We're not counterfeit. We're the real thing if we've been born again. The second point I want to make is that somebody has to show the real thing. We are living in an age of ungodliness, a time of moral decay and chaos, a time of doubt, uncertainty, and insecurity, a time where people are confused about what is right or wrong. People are now calling Wrong, right, and right, wrong. Oh, these are the days in, in the Bible that they have spoken of. And one thing I want to bring out is that the word of God said there's nothing new under the sun. What we're actually experiencing has already happened. The only difference is we, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have no social media outlet. But what you want to know that is going on now is found in the word of God, but it takes you to go through and look for it to search for it. It's there. 
I dare you to try. I dare you to search for it. People of today don't value a Christian life, but instead they value personal freedom, liberty, and independence. That includes independence from God. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live my life. You can't tell me where I can't go. You can't tell me who I cannot be. But if you profess to be a Christian, a born-again Christian, then it's already been stated. I can remind you of what you're supposed to be. I should remind you if you're contrary to what the word of God says. If you're raising your children contrary to the word of God. If you're living contrary to the word of God. But I've come to stand, understand if anyone, including God Almighty, impose or requires standards, rules, or laws to live by, it is considered intolerant, narrow-minded, dogmatic, and it will not be accepted nor tolerated. Why? Because I am somebody. I can live how I want to live. I can go where I want to go, and I can do what I want to do. I pause for station identification because holiness is not optional nor voluntary, but mandatory. It is a requirement for all God's children. Remember I said somebody has to show the real thing with a real Christian stand up. The biblical understanding for holiness is twofold. First, it implies a separation to be set apart for God and God only. Now, here it comes. How many people want to be separated for God? How many people want to stand out or do you want to blend in with the crowd? When you are saved and sanctified, I want you to know you've been picked out to be picked on by the world. But people get tired of being picked on. People get tired of being different. And so what happens if we can't beat them, we join. They supposed to be joining us. They supposed to see the difference in us and that it make that the difference that is made is because we serve Jesus. Secondly, holiness is morally pure clean, untainted by sin. Holiness can only be achieved by the power of God and sinners are made sanctified through the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. What can wash me? What? Huh? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many people want the blood on them? Huh? Don't throw that on me. I, I, I don't want that. When it comes to living a life of Jesus, this is where we must take our stand and stand forever. Therefore, because we live in a time of unholiness, we who are Christ are still called to be holy in thought, in word, and deed, being our action. Paul writes to encourage the Christian believer to continue to live 
holy in spite of persecution from the world. What do you mean persecution? Well, it comes in a different forms. now. You get persecuted for your thoughts of being a Christian, for trying to live a Christian life. You get persecuted for doing right and not going along to get along. You, you get persecuted for that. People hold you accountable because you have said you won't live for Christ if you want to do right. And so what happens, we give in. So he tells us to live holy in spite of the persecution from the world who encourages one to live as he or she pleases. The world does this. And as you can see it even more as we move into this new generation, the world system said you can live how you want to live, how you please. Paul calls for believers to gird up one's loins, meaning to be prepared mentally for the test and trials to come. As well as to be sober-minded, which is to be serious because what is to come is for real. If you ain't paid attention, it's for real. People living like they want to live. People doing what they want to do. In spite of you being a Christian, in spite of you saying who you are, how you they're going to do what they want to do. 24, 7, 7 days a week, all throughout the year. But how you live? He wants us to know that we are to never forget about Jesus and his promise to be with us always. Remember, Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So no matter what we're going through, he's always there. Yes, believers of Jesus Christ are to live an obedient life, one that honors and glorifies God. Believers are not supposed to live according to the standard of their former days of ignorance before coming to God. Yeah, we live just like everyone else, but he saved us. He brought us. He has kept us. Why would we want to go back? So many people have went back. They found that church, this church thing, and all what people say it is. Or I think I want to do something else. Know that God is no respect of person. So one, social status such as sex, race, nationality, or wealth does not qualify one to be holy, for holiness cannot be purchased. You know, we always like to say now or the new thing that our age says, you know, we ain't going to discriminate you based on your sex, whatever. Okay. That's what's stated. Neither does God, but he has set a standard. He has requirements. And so we have people that get mad at what God has set in place and people get mad if you follow that standard, if you choose to live by that. I am talking about Christian holiness. Likewise, being poor is no advantage in the pursuit of holiness. For the lack of material goods does not equal 
sanctification. You know, some people think because they're poor, they're making it. No, uh-uh. God requires the same thing for a person who have, the same thing for a person who don't have. Material things or what you can acquire will not allow you, does not qualify you to be sanctified or holy, but how you are living for God or whether or not you're giving yourself to him. So I said, someone has to show the real thing. Will that be you? The last thing I want to bring up is is hard living up to the standard. I don't want you to take this lightly. It's hard living up to the standard, but it's possible. And this is what we find in the book of Titus, where Paul encourages Titus to instruct the new Christian church at Crete on how they are to behave themselves at all times. Verse 2 and 7 says, in all things show thyself a pattern of good works. That's if people are going to believe that you are truly saved. The only Jesus that most people will see will be you. What kind of Jesus? What kind of representative are you? This is where it comes in. He also teaches them about the character of a holy church and its evangelistic impact on the community. Don't you know how the church carries itself in the community can impact the community, either good or bad? It's amazing that most churches have moved out of the community. So it don't have to have an impact on the community. It prefers the community to come to it. But it's supposed to go to the community and it's supposed to be in the community. People have all these excuses while they move, but understand God moved from heaven to earth. He moved his office from upstairs to downstairs and started taking applications. He started preaching. <laughs> the words start going, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm bringing heaven to you. It'll take you too long to get there, so let me bring it to you. So, Titus says, in order for the church to have that kind of impact on the community, the people in it must conduct themselves in a godly way. Titus 2 verse 5 says, so that the word of God be not blasphemed, dishonored. And verse 8 says, so that the enemies of God may be put to shame having nothing bad to say about you. How one lives inside and outside of the church is the issue. How are you living for real? If we live right, they can't say anything because we're living for God. Understand, when we profess to be born again Christians, all eyes are on us. They're looking for us to make a mistake. And the first thing they'll say, you said you was a Christian. You said you was born again. Oh, I have been in that boat before and 
I done told people, well, you go to the same church I go to. They said, but I ain't, I ain't professed that I'm saved, sanctified, born again, Jesus baptized. And it comes back to my remembrance that they haven't. They haven't professed that to the world, to the open world, to the people around them. They haven't stepped out of the boat on faith and living for Christ. Somehow somebody saw me saying it and somebody saw me attempting to make this walk. And so their thing was, you need to continue what you started. I too got upset at one point in time in my life, but I, God reminded me, this is what you said. You thought nobody wasn't listening. You thought nobody wasn't paying attention to you. They are. If you're going to help them, then they need to show it being done. Live your creed, Casanova. What he starts with is first, the older or aged men are encouraged to be grave. Older men, be serious. Let me start out with you. Be serious. Living in life full of, worthy of imitation. Somebody ought to see you and want to be like you. To want to carry themselves in the manner that the way you carry yourself. Paul implies that older men had lapsed into a second childhood, acting like self-indulgent, which is pleasure-seeking infants rather than role models. We got too many men that want to be out, want to be here, want to do everything that the younger men do. They don't forget what it means to be an older man. They want to hang out in the club. They, 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 they want to drive and wear all the new hippie stuff and, 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 and they want to show that they still got it. Oh, y'all missing. I, I, I remember when I went to college at, and, and, and definitely after I played Omega, I used to get mad at the old Omegas that came back on yard. Because here they were successful in the world, but the problem was the younger ladies weren't going to talk to me because all these older guys kept showing up. With the old beanie caps. And, and, and so when they showed up, they strutting their thing. And so here I am, just young, and okay, I'm all I got is conversation, but they showing everything else. They, they, they so out of place. But, but this is what happens. The older men that show up, try to get all the younger women. Don't mean them no good. Oh, y'all ain't here now. Okay, I'm going to move on. I guess, I guess I'm the only one that said this because I've seen older women put on the clothes. They, 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 they got the body. They got the figure. They sort of, and, and, and they done made it harder for the younger women because here they is. They done took the younger man and, uh, uh, and, and messed his mind up. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm, I'm moving on, but, but, but I want to let you know, he, he addressing these older men first because they, they, they don't move out of their place. For whatever reason, we have a problem growing old and growing old gracefully. For some reason, we want to see that we still got it. 
whether it's dancing, whatever it is, we, we, our mind, for whatever reason, are telling us we can still do it, but our body say you can't. I'm going to move on. Remember, we are to be role models, older men. You are to be a role model for the younger men. How can, it, they, how can it be done if they don't see it being done? And this is the problem that we have. Nobody wants to be a role model. Nobody wants to show somebody the way. Nobody wants to be a bridge builder anymore. The age of older woman is next in line in Titus. They are encouraged to teach the younger women to be sober. What are you saying? Sober? You trying to tell me women drink? To love their husband? You trying to tell me it's a problem in this area? To love their children? To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient, being subject to their own husband? You mean to tell me that they, we, we got people who be more loyal to someone else other than their husband? To live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord and to not to be gospel. She's trying to tell me that the women back then were talking a lot? I, I, I want you to know, this, this ain't the 20th century, the 21st, that we're talking about. So I want you to know, ain't nothing new under the sun. I told y'all that. Understand, it, it, it's amazing as you begin to look. And if you apply to the day, false accusers, drunkards, said, but holy. The, the thing that the older women, teach the younger women how to be holy. Each generation has a responsibility of teaching the next generation. But the problem comes in is when that generation that's supposed to be teaching decides they ain't going to teach no more. Decides they don't want to be an example no more. But the young people of today, male and female alike, are being taught to love whoever they want. To farm out their children to whoever will keep them. Oh, I know y'all did y'all hear that? Uh, I need to go to this part of the classic cupboard. I need somebody to keep my children. Oh, y'all looking at me like, man, what he talking about? I done seen it. People will pay you two, three hundred dollars to keep their children for a few moments of pleasure. Then turn around and come back and ask you, can I borrow? Mm -hmm. They're taught not to worry about sensible, but to do what pleases. They're also encouraged not to worry about being chased because no one is perfect and that God knows your heart. I know, I know y'all like, man, he crazy. Uh-huh. Crazy for the Lord. They are encouraged to safely fulfill one's physical and lustful desires and to not worry about being kind because nice people finish last. 
Yes, it's okay to be naughty sometimes. This is what's being taught because this is what the generation that's supposed to be teaching is teaching. Well, I'm going to be at home. You ain't at home. Why are you going to tell me not do as you do, but do as you say when I'm observing everything that you do? What you think I'm going to do, what you do. They are encouraged to do whatever they want to do to grab their moment in the sun. Why? Because you only live once. Girl, I wouldn't be wasting my time, man. I wouldn't be wasting my You better go on, live it up. Go on, do it. Have fun. Lord, I forgive you. He does. He does. But as I taught previous Sunday before, there are consequences in your choices. God has always set up gates and, and perimeters for us. But if we cross them, it's a price to pay. I often tell them at work, it's like, it's like, it's like having diarrhea. They got to run his course. I, go on, keep eating all that sweet stuff. Go on, keep doing it. I, I, you, you know you lactose and Go on, keep. Can't nobody tell you nothing. But when it hit, that Pepto commercial, you, you, you got to make a run. And only the Lord can help you. And no matter where you at, you say, Lord, have mercy. What's killing me? When this way of believing is practiced by those who claim to be Christian, it dishonors God and his word. And to the unbeliever, it is confusion because Christians say they believe what the Bible says is true, but don't live what they believe. Christian holiness, understand. If we say it, we ought to honor our word before them. It's confusion to those who are stuck. Because the only representative they have is you. And when they see you doing the opposite of what you've been professing or telling them, it's like mind-blowing. Why I want to get saved and this is how y'all live. I can stay where I am. What benefit is it to you? To you. You say you love the Lord. You say you care. But then just soon as happened, the first thing you say, everybody made a mistake. It ain't a mistake all the time. A mistake is you accidentally locked your keys up in the car. A mistake is that you went out and left, left that purse at, at that shopping center. You didn't mean to leave it. But can't nobody accidentally get pregnant. What? Hello, somebody. Can't nobody accidentally strike somebody out of anger, out of frustration. 
can't accidentally call you a name because understand, before that happened, it was all premeditated. It was already there. It was already, I was waiting on the opportunity. Well, nobody want to tell the truth. You, you, you got some words that you're waiting to lay on somebody. It just ain't happened yet. You got some things in your mind. When I get a chance to tell them, I'm going to tell them. I ain't the right moment yet. I'm going to say it. And I don't care what nobody say. I got an outfit I'm going to wear. It ain't the right place to wear it yet. But when it comes, I'm going to put it on. I don't care what nobody say. I know it's revealing and it's showing. It's mine. I bought it. And I'm going to wear it. And I dare somebody to share something. I know y'all like wondering, what is this man talking about? I'm talking about Christian holiness. We are Christians out of behave as Christians, out of carry ourselves as Christians. Home is where godly wisdom is taught. And it is the place where adult Christians lead, guide, teaches, and raises the next generation of godly believers. As I get ready to close, I want you to know that actions speak louder than words. So the challenge moving forward is to spend less time on social media. Watching CNN, Fox, or other news outlets, including your favorite television show, and instead investing more of your time studying the word of God. This is what needs to happen. For Christian holiness to truly take place, we have to spend more time with God. And then we have to go out and live it. We have to go out and apply it to our lives. Is it easy? No. No. Is it possible? Yes. If you truly want things to change around you, then you have to change. This is where it is. This is what God had put on my heart because I had been seeing so much on TV. So much is happening. And God said, where are the Christians? Where are they? More people are concerned about what's going on in their society instead of what's going on in you. You don't have to stay the way you are because the song, the potter wants to put you back together again. You got to be willing to allow him to remake you, to remold you. If that means tearing you down all again and building you back up, it's for your better. But not only for you, because God don't do it just for you. It's somebody coming behind. It's somebody watching you. You are important. You are somebody. I need you to realize that. You matter. The world will say no, but they're lying. The world is confused and don't understand what you do. You have children, grandchildren, friends, cousins, People need to see the light that God has given you. And it need to shine as bright as it can be. 
Because if we want to help this dying world, then we got to let God lead us all the way. And in our going, we always can encourage someone, come along, come and see. As the woman told them at the well when she ran, come see a man. I wish we had more witnesses like that. Come see a man that told me all about me. Is this not the Christ? Come see a man. You, 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 you ought to be telling people that. Come see him. I'm a living witness. Ain't nothing good about me. He made me. He molded me. What I know he taught me. What I have he gave me. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Sister, brother, I ain't going to tell you it's easy, but it's possible. There are going to be many that are going to call you crazy. They're going to say things, but you just keep going. Hold your head up. Don't be ashamed when God bless you with material things. When God bless you with a husband. When God bless you with a wife. Don't be ashamed if God bless you with two, three, four cars. If God bless you, with, ain't nothing wrong with God blessing you. And you should never feel the same about being blessed. Because he blesses everyone. So with Christian holiness, this is how we can help people, beginning with ourselves. I must see it work for you first. Can I watch you? Do you mind? All Christians are open books because we have professed Jesus Christ. No secrets. They will be revealed at some point of time in your life. But what I've come to learn is that a lie runs fast in a race. But we're in a marathon. The truth runs long. It always outrun the lie. So no matter what someone is saying, you keep living the truth. You, you stay on your pace. And if you set the pace with Christ, not only will he be at the finish line, but he'll be with you as you cross. Matter of fact, he is the one that is running and carrying you. Like footprints in the sand, God been carrying us over the mountains, through the valley, down through the cut, through the alley, past the dope house, past the shot house, past the clubs. He did it. And he'll continue to do it. I now want to open the doors of the church. Jesus is his name. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He was tried in unjust courts. The word of God said he was hung, crucified, dead and buried. 
The word of God said he didn't stay dead, but on the third day he got up with all power in his hand. And in Revelation he speaks and says, I am he that was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death in my hand. Oh, won't you come? Come on. He wants to fix your life. He wants to make it right. He wants to take away all your pain, all your sorrow, all your grief. Cast your cares and your burdens to the Lord. For he cares for you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.